0: In this episode of The Ziggler Show, look at all the people you follow and let influence you. They are known for something specific, but so often in our business and personal pursuits, we miss this point for ourselves. And it doesn't mean that that thing is all you can offer, but it does give people a needed reference point if you're to stand out from the crowd at all. Some examples from guests I've had on my podcast, Dave Ramsey. He's known for guidance to financial peace and health. James Clear for developing good habits, atomic habits. Dan Miller for finding work you love. Pete Vargas known for mastering and leveraging the stage. John O'Leary known for overcoming adversity So I asked the Ziegler audience, vocationally, what area or areas of expertise would you like to be known for? And it's a powerful exercise to answer that. So Tom Ziegler and I read through the comments and discuss this important topic. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, a top-ranked all-time career podcast in Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this show, we expound on Zig Ziggler's be, do, and have philosophy, meaning you have to be the right kind of person and do the right things before you can expect to have what really matters in life, and we want you to have what matters. Also, check out my podcast, What Drives You, where we talk with people who have reached impressive achievements to ask what drove them good and bad, and we dig into the very motives that drive us all with the goal of clarifying just what is driving you. Then in my true life podcast, we want to get you fully functioning physically. So your body doesn't hold you back. You can find all three of my shows in Apple podcasts. Just search for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. And if you're new to the Ziegler show, I invite you to visit Ziegler.com. Connect with Tom Ziegler and the Ziegler family about upcoming events and how they can come alongside you and help you inspire your true performance. Tom, this topic just, it just came to me as I was thinking about my own business and thinking about some other people that we, I think we often miss in our business pursuits and our vocational pursuits, you know, that we do well in an area, but we often aren't specific enough with our personal brands and I, and, and it wasn't necessarily a personal brand that I was leading this thought with, but, but in that light, our personal brands and what are we known for? What are, what are you the go-to for, for people? Because I realized that as I'm thinking of resources, let's say out there, people as resources, there are specific people. And I think about them for X, Um, you know, even like uh, a Jordan Harbinger, man, he is my podcast. He is a a primary podcast mentor. When it comes to a podcast question, uh, he and Tom Schwab are two guys that I um, that I connect with and I know what they are good at, but I know what they're known for as well. And it got me to thinking about that for myself. What do I want to be known for? And I think, you know, I am known, I think, somewhat as an expert communicator and a messenger of personal development strategies, business development to some, you know, extent. But with my upcoming book, I want to be known as, I want to be associated with Drive. With, you know, when you want to, you want people like driven people. I want to be associated with kind of the resource, the, um, not the calm, a curator. How's that? A curator of that. And, you know, obviously with your dad, Zig Ziglar, he was initially sales. I mean, everybody knew, I mean, that's you know, that's what got him in the door was, was sales. And then obviously later on positivity has got to be top of the list, man. He is the positivity guy. He's the inspiration guy. I mean, so he really knocked it out of the park there. But again, if I ask you that, if you think about all the people that you know, I, I know it's a ballpark question, but how many of them are you fairly clear on? Like I have a cognizant thought of, oh, they're the person for X. How many? A few, yeah, Dude. not a ton. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it's uh, again, an entry point. So uh, let me read down through these things and see what your thoughts are. Um, David Powers is a guy I know. And he said, he answered and said, Making men manly again. And if, you, if you, you type in David Powers, there's probably a lot on Facebook, but you'll recognize him by the bald head and the big red beard. And that's his, he does have a brand. And that's what he does. He's a, he, he's a pastor, uh, he's an author, he's done a lot of things, but that really is at his heart. He's a Christian guy, but at his heart is really to help men healthfully connect with their masculinity. And he's done a great job and everybody knows him as that guy. And if you go look at his Facebook page, you'll see that that's how he leads. That's how he pastors. It's how he parents. And he's probably top of the list of people that responded that I know what he stands for. But again, it makes me look back at myself, Tom in the mirror and go, am I really being that um, I was going to say blatant. That's on people don't always think of that as a positive word. But am I being that clear? Am I clear? I mean, your publisher, your publisher wanted to do that to some degree with you, Tom. Okay, here's a book. What is Tom Ziegler? I mean, they probably had you do more work around that, didn't they?
1: Oh yeah. You know, they go into what are you known for? Uh, when people talk about you, what do they what it what do they say? And then they say, what do you want them to say? Exactly. And then, yeah. What do you want to be known for? You know, what are 10 words that describe what you do and then 10 words, what problem do you solve? And, you know, all those things. Uh, So let me just throw a question back to you, because this is this is a great subject. What's the difference between your brand and your mission?
0: I think that I'm going to can I answer it broadly as opposed to just personally? Yeah. Is that okay? I think that we tend to I'm going to say most people here in the show Aspiring people, the people that you and I commune with every day, Tom, even in our personal lives. So these aspiring people are fairly clear of a of a missional effort in their lives and hopefully of a clear mission. I think that they often don't do a great job of communicating it, maybe even being clear daily that this is what I want to walk out, this is what I want to exude, and we don't communicate it well. Which is, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to answer your question. And that, that is the brand. It's, it's what we communicate, which I'll never forget. Somebody telling me this, I think it was a guy named Jimmy Gibson, branding expert. I'm going to give him credit. I, I can't remember if it was, but uh, to some extent he says, you know, we can't say what our brand is. Only those that we try to influence will say what our brand is. We do try to influence it. So, you know, uh, Chipotle, we're, we're going to have Monty Moran on the next show. Or no, actually, as, as, as this publishes, he'll have been on. This is episode 932. He'll have been episode 931. So he's with Chipotle and they did a huge amount of work to influence what their brand was. So here's, here's what they say. This is our mission. Now we're going to go try to communicate that so that this is what our brand becomes, but ultimately it's their success or not because uh, of doing that because the audience, us, the public is going to say, we'll say what the brand is and say, oh yeah, that's a, you know, and if I was saying it, what is Chipotle? Oh, it's, it's a healthier fast food option, which is kind of what they were going for. Still kind of fast food, but a healthier option. They did a pretty good job Of communicating that, but that's what I—that's what I wanted to do this show about. Because I'm afraid that we so often are somewhat clear on our mission. I like that you put it that way. But are we doing the daily work to make sure that we're creating a brand of what that mission is? Does that answer the question? Yep. Good. Okay. Um, couple more here. Ashley Schildneck. I don't know if I got that right. I can build or make about anything I'm asked to do. And I said, well, be more specific, like porch decks, the spacecraft. And he, actually, he said, "Uh, leather work, promotional products, woodwork, metal work. So it was very design-oriented, if you look at his stuff. And and that's good for him to know. So if he wants to be the guy who, yeah, I I can build anything, well, be more specific. I would say that for all of us. And it's going to be around design work. And with his being leather, promotional, woodwork, metal, very tactile stuff, uh, I'd say to be more specific, you know, on that De- Don current, he says exemplary processes and launching, uh, products in the automotive industry. Okay. That's pretty specific. If you're, that kind of goes back to, I have people in the podcast arena that I turn to, if it's anything podcast, he wants to be, uh, process launches in the automotive industry. Okay, man, that's, He's going to, he, he's like a, my buddy, Chuck Bowen, who, you know, would talk about that. You want to create a, what do we say? A spotlight of this is what I do. And if somebody walks across it, they're blinded, man, they cannot miss you. I love that perspective. Cause most yeah, of us, what do we good. do? Yeah. We, we want a floodlight. We want a big floodlight that just shines over <laughs> and anybody who walks into it is relevant. And it's just, we can't attract people. That's like, say a good, that's a good perspective for what I was getting at in the show, Tom, right there. Love it on Nicole Young, taking care of your body as an act of obedience to God so that you have the health to carry out the plans he has for you. Pretty, pretty specific. I like that because that's going to shine a spotlight that people are going to be really attracted to or possibly offended by, which is probably good. I mean, there's I don't know. What do you think, Tom, about that perspective of, I mean, I've heard it all my life to some degree. If you've got a platform, if you're not offending some people, you probably aren't being specific enough. Uh, I get the idea. I mean, you should, you know, I get the idea, though. We're not out to I think if you do something well with love, you can probably do it without necessarily offending people, but there may be specifically people that you're not going to to attract like, like her. They don't really like that God stuff or something. So she's filtering, which you and I just talked about in a show that we did uh, with your sister, Julie, about, uh, you know, we want to filter people is that's another good way of doing it does our business and even who we are. Is it clear enough to filter people? That's probably a relevant way to look at it. Don't you think?
1: And I think, you know, Seth Godin writes about it all the time. We need to be an artist. We need to do work that matters. We need to to take it to a a very specific market, you know, the minimum viable audience. Mm -hmm. You know, wow them. You don't wow everybody, you wow uh, the people who show up who who, uh, agree and believe in what you have to offer.
0: Here's uh, Brian Davis, helping people get paid for their knowledge. And I looked at his site. Shoot, I didn't write it down, but he he does do work in this. Like, you've got an area of knowledge. How can we turn that into a business, coaching, a product, uh, whatnot? So he's looking and saying, what do you know? How can we turn it into an opportunity? Which I, I absolutely love that concept of finding what you know, what transferable skills you have that give you more opportunity. Most of us don't see the opportunity the the breadth of where we can translate our transfer our 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 knowledge to so that's what brian does uh dustin fluke coffee roasting i know dustin man he's he's been a lover of coffee forever so he roasts coffee he sells coffee he likes it uh, to be he's like he's a designated coffee snob which I, I i say i'm a snob i don't know if i'm a connoisseur to his level but uh It's very, very specific there. Kevin Davis, aligning your dreams, charting your course, navigating yourself to the purpose-filled life you were created to live. Now, I like that, Tom. I do like that. It sounds good. I'd still say that in that, if if you've got a sentence, kind of like your elevator pitch, it still needs to be a little more specific. Um, And maybe a way to look at it Let's flip, let's flip the, and you know this, Tom, you know more on the sales perspective, selling perspectives than, than even I do, but sometimes we want to look at who can, we, who can we attract? Who do we want to attract? Sometimes I find in these kind of conversations, it's almost easier to flip it and go, who do you not want to attract? Or who can you not help? Who are you not best with even? We talked about this recently with coaching. I mean, you know, Tom Ziegler, could you help just about anybody? to a degree with a level, you know, with coaching. Sure. But are there some that you just know you're just not the best fit with? I mean, shouldn't we, if I take that to coaches, shouldn't we be clear on the areas of coaching or life that we are not the most competent or well-versed in?
1: Yeah, we definitely want to filter by, you know, our strengths and how we can add the most value I was just going to comment on Kevin Davis. Uh, so this is interesting background of him. He's one of our Ziegler legacy speakers. And, yeah. And uh, his main core business, he owns uh, 19 QuickLubes. Oh, okay. So he's a big entrepreneur. Okay. And not only that, one of the major oil companies hires him to go and speak and teach other quick lube people how to run their business. Which is very interesting when you look at what is what his brand is right so what he is when i when i see him i see somebody at a very very high level maturity which is he is helping people where they are to become more profitable but underneath it all it's it's like hey you know this is going to be very temporary unless your dreams the direction you're going and the reason you're doing it isn't all aligned right and and so i hear his voice in this right i hear his voice and so he's automatically if somebody is not at a certain maturity level like if they don't if they don't get what the real issue is because they've got some scars they've tried it the wrong way they've <laughs> they've hit their head against the wall they're probably not ready for him but if they are ready, then it's a whole new world. Yeah, and I and I love that about you know the 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 branding is what what do we want to be known? And so when you really find people who are good at it, there's layers and layers and layers of it. So when they when you hear the brand, it's like oh well that's cool, and then when you talk to them, it's like oh I didn't realize it was that deep. And then all of a sudden it's a you know, it's a holographic image that's, you know, that's in constant motion and has all this fluidity and all these things are connected. And th- and that's somebody who's got the 10,000 hours
0: in it. All well, right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and I, I, we're talking about a filter again, and I really do like that. I think that right there, what a great exercise for everybody out there who's self-employed right now, or, or even thinking about doing it. To think of having a list. We don't often do this, Tom, of who are you not the best resource to help? Because if your answer is, if you feel like it should be everybody, you know, there's the red buzzer or the red flag or the buzzer. It's not, you cannot help. You've got to have a list of people you're not best with, just like you talked about that with Kevin. And I recently wrote this, Tom. So on my web, on my website here, promo, Kevin Miller.co on there. I have not, I used to do a lot of coaching consulting. I haven't for a long time and I'm doing that again, but I wanted to be clear on who I help best and who I don't. I'm good at starting things. If you've got a business that you want to start, an idea you want to bring, I'm really good at starting it. Now, if you've got one that's going that you need help maintaining and administrating that, I am not your person. Even to the point of, if you want to grow it, I'd say go Go meet with Tom Ziegler at an executive coaching level to grow it. Even there, that's not where I'm best unless you're growing with a new initiative that I can help with. And even on the aspect of drive, I put on there, if you want to increase your drive, align it is what I talk about. I'm I'm good, but it's working with people who already have drive. It was specific that I put to increase drive, not to start it from fresh. So if you're on the couch right now with no drive, I'm probably not the best I'm just not that competent in, in, in creating drive. I am in uh, increasing. And I've found that out harshly over the years, you know, so many years of working with people. So again, being clear on what our filters are of who we can help and very clear on who, who we can't help as well. You are listening to The Ziegler Show and this discussion on what do you want to be known for? So next we hear from a guy who works with men who are working valiantly to provide for their families but struggle to really be present with them. And we talk about how he's positioning himself to be known for that. Well, you're talking about somebody, one of the Ziegler folks. Here's one from Bradley Horner. He said, helping people find true balance and success in their lives. And I said, okay, I like that. It's a little broad. What areas do you specialize? And he said, as a Ziegler, uh, as a Zig Zigler coach, I focus on helping guys like I used to be who are working their lives away, thinking they are providing for their families, but they are never present. So I help them uncover where they are currently, where they want to go and bridge the gap to get there. I I'll give that one an A for specificity on that that it wasn't but look where you started helping people find true balance and success in their lives and then we come real quick to it's helping guys men who are working their lives away thinking they're providing for their families but they're not present and that is great i mean that i could see that headline hey you out there working trying to take care of your family but having a hard time being in the moment being grateful for what you have being present would your family say you're absent yeah i mean you got a bunch of people that they just hit the spotlight don't you think tom Yeah. It reminds me
1: of the uh, commercial in the Dallas Fort Worth market from an attorney. And this guy's a specialist, he's a divorce attorney for men. And he starts off his ad with, so you, you spent the last 15, 20 years building a career, you've got money, but your health is gone. You're divorced and you don't have anybody to spend your life with. I mean, it's like, so he says, "I want to represent you and help you get your family back in alignment." So you can tell he's you know he's trying to make the best of a bad situation, but it hits people right between the eyes, right yeah, yeah. because we we live a life and we create these follow ups. and so uh, Bradley's fantastic. Uh, one of the comments that he's that he said that's right in this vein I was talking to him last week is he said you gotta you gotta slow down to speed up." then I talked to one of our speakers, Chris Dunham, and I said, what's the biggest challenge in the world today? And he said, uh, the noise of despair, there's just so much noise going on that we can't, we can't. And so the level of, of frustration and despair, whatever you want to call it, it keeps raising. We've got to quiet down. we got to, we got to settle back in. Uh, but I, I, I like that. I'm, I'm going through my own kind of branding thing right now. And that is, we got the new book coming out, uh, 10 Leadership Virtues for Disruptive Times. The subtitle is uh, Leading Your Team Through Immense Change and Challenge. <laughs> so what's the brand in all that? Is it disruption? Is it leadership? And so I've kind of uh, nuanced it into I think it's coach leadership. And that's, that's where I'm putting a lot of energy. And it's incredibly layered what coach leadership means. And so you know, we talk about, hey, we're going to do a branding day, right? We're going to do a branding day, and when we get done, we're going to have this amazing brand, and it's going to be awesome. Gosh, I've found that the people who are most successful in this they 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 hone in on the core of their brand, and they just keep making it richer and richer and richer, and it and it expands, and it might move a little bit. Uh, but the reason coach leadership is coming to my, you know, to the forefront is the world's changed. The last, the last 18 months, the world's changed. The old type of leadership isn't going to work. But I also know this. Uh, there are people who want to work for the old kind of leader and there are old leaders who don't want to change. Well, neither one of those are, are my prospects. Yeah. <laughs> right? And guess what? They'll find each other. It might be painful in the process and some they'll lose some good people along the way. But the reality is, is that to say leadership means this huge, you know, it's an all-encompassing thing. That's not really what we do, right? And it's it's so it's this specific type of leadership which we get to define as we build it.
0: Okay, I want to I want to go down a path with you on that, Tom, um, because as we talk about this, you just reminded me or brought to brought to mind the not not the danger but just a concern in looking at this question and thinking oh my goodness my business or i need to define what i'm about what my brand is in essence what i'm known for for life like i'm gonna be like dave ramsey i mean he's you know he used to be in real estate eons ago but however long it's been 30 years or something like that he started on this financial path that's him He is and forever will be Dave Ramsey. He's the financial peace guy. He's the money guy, whatever. That's really daunting. And I see a lot of people having success that don't, aren't quite that specifically focused. And I thought about like Cal Newport. I mean, I first knew about him from Deep Work. That was the book that was, I think it was my dad who advocated that to me. Deep Work. And that may have been when I had him on the show uh, first. But then, you know, he wrote recently Digital Minimalism. It was a very different, I mean, did it have some overlap and some threads? Sure. But it was very, you know, very different. And now he's got another book. And so he's known really as a researcher, a deep thinker and a researcher who brings the light, some of the things happening in that. So it's, he's got, as much as we talk about niche, a little broader term than just being anchored to one specific book and one message. My point being there that it can evolve some because Tom, I'm going to bring this to you now with the things you've done lately, though. I do think of you with the term disruption. You talk about it. Not only on the shows, you talk about it to me personally, it is a personal interest. So here you are going along and in your own brand and what you're known for of, of, of per, you know, personal success and, And in, you know, amongst Ziegler and the legacy there, there have been different things that you've gotten interested in and you have been interested in this aspect of disruption. And I can see you having a really good run with the book and with that topic that you are just authentically interested in, period. You're just, it's just a personal interest, even if you weren't putting it in a book of you having a really good run doing the interview, you know, scene for however long on disruption because we're all curious about it we all want to know more about that and then you may not leave that but within the vein of what you do then find another area that has overlap but another area that you're going to pursue my point being that we can have some evolution in this right we don't have to be stuck on one thing that we're known for as a, as a it's not not to be hamstrung by that is that fair
1: Yeah. And I, and I like where you're going. And so the way I would context, put it in the context of is kind of the story brand, you know, there was this hero, right? There was this hero and all this challenge happened because of this problem. And the problem was disruption, right? That's the problem. And so if you ignore disruption or, or don't, take the advice. This is the result. If you, if you realize, Hey, that's the problem and you do this, then, you know, you get all these benefits. And so that is the problem, right? That's the big giant that's come on our, and, and the cool thing is, is that it's pretty big because disruption it's everywhere. You know, it's not just in how big companies operate. It's how solo producers operate. It's how, it's how couples have to deal with each other because they're one's a solopreneur one works for a big company and then the pandemic and people getting sick and the disruption there and a shift in values. That's a huge disruption technology, the convergence that we're seeing, that's a huge disruption. And so, and this is what's really played into the overall Ziegler sweet spot. The number one thing that we need when, when it comes to disruption is the right mindset Mm -hmm of how to view it, which ultimately is a growth mindset. And so when I call somebody uh, an old school biased person, what I'm really testing for is, is, do they have a fixed mindset? This is who I am and the way I'm always gonna do it. And, and I'm just gonna fish in this pond until there aren't any more fish here, and then I'm gonna go home, you know? Or am I a growth mindset? And I'm like, wow, look how big that pond is over there. <laughs> You know, I need some new gear. I need some new tackle. I need a new fishing pole. I need a boat. Gosh, if I had a boat, I could go fish where nobody else is fishing. It's going to be unbelievable. And that's and so that's the choice we have when it comes to disruption. And so who's the captain of that ship? It's a coach leader. That's But here's, of course, and you know my story because, you know, dad passed away almost nine years ago now. And so I've been about legacy, intentional legacy for 15 years. So what's the telltale sign of a coach leader? <laughs> it's they create coach leaders. It's legacy. yeah And so there's this great theme that's going through it, but the the motivator to change is suddenly disruption. right And, and articles are popping up all the time now about people are burned out and, you know, what do we do? And, and it's all this, it's all the, it's, you know, when you have a, uh, when you have a tsunami and then all that floats kind of on the surface of the water after that, you know, that huge cataclysmic event, that's all uh, despair is. It's just a floats them on the water. It's, you know, it's a result of what happened. So how do you make sense of it?
0: Yeah. Well, I like that. It looks again at transferable skills. So here's what I'm known for, but where can it be transferred? So here you are working so much as you talked about with mindset, and right now you're using that, utilizing that, harnessing that, leveraging that to apply to the current times, which disruption is a big a big term. You know, it's interesting. Let me use the next guy the next comment as an example. So Daryl Rostick, he says uh, he wa- he's known for, wants to be known for training people to protect themselves and the people that they love. Uh, he's a firearms and self-defense trainer. Okay, that's, that's, that's good to be, but let's say that he was known as the guns guy, right? Well, let's, and I'm just being facetious and I'm not trying to be political and volatile here. You know, let's say that guns were banned and he no longer can participate that he can participate with protection though whether that's with, you know, self-defense or preparing yourself for the next pandemic. And we're out of toilet paper. I'm being facetious now, but, you know, we could look, we can take that. He is a guy who is involved in protection. My son, Caleb, really, that, that word speaks a lot to him. Protector. Um, We learned this a long time ago. I mean, he's only, what is he, 25, but he realized a long time ago, that word's really important to him. And I, w- I was curious, as you know, at the time, as to where that came from because it's not a word that speaks to me. Now, do I care about protecting my family and and stuff? It, of course, but it's just not a word. I tend to be the. Uh, we have a joke in our family: safety third, uh, who is part of a of a <laughs> wilderness course that my daughter took, and they had a bumper sticker on her car: safety third, and it was you know kind of a funny play on that. I tend to be more of that I am a consummate risk taker. I like to do things. I'm not super. Uh, interested in, in, in safety and protection that face value like that. But that's interesting. What are those things that really attach to us that we're, that we care about? And uh, so Daryl's saying, man, protecting people, that's important. So right now, like you talked about that, Tom, he's applying that in the area of firearms and self-defense, but where can he, where else can he apply it to? It makes me think of my friend, Scott Stearman, which if you look at scottstearman.com, he's a renowned sculptor. And he had, again, this guy, interesting branding, I mentioned his name again, Jimmy Gibson, uh, who had him do an exercise at one of my events back when I had free agent Academy. And he said, okay, Scott, how would you, and he was just helping him solidify his brand. How would you do what you do? And this was to help clarify, what does he do? Does he just make sculptures? How would you do what you do if you couldn't use your hands? And of course, your first thought, he's a, a sculptor. He's a sculptor. He can do anything. He's out of business. But Scott thought, well, no, before this, he did media. And what, what kind of media did he do? He did TV and film in what areas? It was in storytelling. That's really what he cares about. That's how he addresses his sculptures today is he's there to understand the story of a, you know, faith-based institution, a university or a military institution, compound or, or of some type, to understand what is it that they, because they may say, hey, we want you to do a monument of so-and-so, of, you know, uh, the the wounded soldier or something like that. And he said, like, well, what's the story, though? What are you wanting to communicate? And then they get into yeah. that. Yeah. Go well, it's just popping in my head, yeah. the story of there was this, uh,
1: It was some big auction. It was like Lloyd's of London, and they had this Bible. It could have, you know, it was this very, very famous Bible, and it was worth millions of dollars. And they brought in a well-known British orator to read from the Scripture, and then they were going to put it up for auction, right? They wanted to, you know, get the emotional. And so this order got up, and in great Shakespearean English, just, you know, amazing And then for whatever reason, he said, would anybody here like to read the word or read, read the Bible out loud? And so this old man in his, in his eighties gets up and he comes to the front, you know, and he's kind of hunched over and then he starts to read God's word. And within three minutes, everybody in the room is crying. That's how moved they are. And he wasn't an orator. And so he sat down and the, uh, the orator stood back up and he said, well, I think we learned a lesson here today. I, I know how to speak. I know how to pronounce, pronounce, I know how to read eloquently, but this man knew the author. And really that's to me is what is the author of our story? You know, what do we, it's, it's, it's like, just like, Scott had the question, "What happened if you didn't have your hands?" <laughs> hey, it's the story that matters. I don't yeah. need hands. It was w- when I when the pandemic hit and I w- lost a bunch of speaking engagements. I'm like, "Oh no, nobody likes me." And then my my talk with myself said, "Wait a second, you're not a you're not in the speaking business. You're in the life changing business. Two different things." So we got so the the surface stuff isn't the you know, that's not the brand. it's the underlying it's it's the it's the layers of of relationship and
0: the reason why we do it that's all built in. yeah, okay, it's interesting you say that, Tom. So here's something that relates and it's also just of interest. there was to me. Uh, I don't know where I got a hold of this, and apparently I'm late to the game, but talking about that and you know somebody who wasn't necessarily a trained orator, uh, John Butler you know that? I don't know if you know that name. So the dude, some farmer from, I don't know what country, and he is a meditation guy. So if you look up John Butler, it's this old man with a beard and he looks kind of European, I guess you would say. And I listened to him and he just has this, I'm not even trying to emulate it. This slow, um, very clear way of speaking and talking about, you know, meditation and being present and people just love it. I mean, how is it different in there's other people that talk slow and have a a nice tone and a pace and whatever, but this guy has people mesmerized. He's got this gigantic following and he's just being him. But like you said, he is—it's—it is him. I guess that's it. All he's doing is just sharing what is authentically him. It didn't come out of specific training, and it's a kind of a phenomenon in that. But so interesting that what this guy is—what is he known for? Man, he's known for being himself at, at company meetings
1: for years. There was a common phrase I heard Dad say to our company, and that was, "Be a product of the product. Mm. Don't sell it." you know don't hype it don't you know make it more than what it is just be a product of the product yeah be it
0: be it that's interesting you know i'll, I'll share on that tom i had a, I had a guy recently ask me he said how did i learn to ask such good questions for podcasting and do do good interviews and i I said, man, I, you know, I put my time in. I've done my my studying, of podcasting and interviewing and, and whatnot. But uh, it really came from a a natural inclination to hear a message. And I said, I think it was a lot of privilege of being exposed. I, mean, I grew up as you know. I'm a kid, and I'm going to Zig Ziglar conferences, you know, and C.N.M. and Brian Tracy, and I got to sit in Dale Carnegie classes when I was a little kid. I wasn't even old enough to take them, but I, my dad let me sit along the wall and listen to him, and I would hear these messages. And then I got to be a part of the audience and hear what people were saying, and hear my dad's, you know, my dad's employees or coaching clients and whatnot, and realized how people often hear messages. But I started. I would start tuning into the things where I, I know because I've heard it where they discount the message or where they get hung up. And that just got to be kind of a bright light from how we just see that. That's how I come to messages with. So I hear somebody who's brilliant, like a Cal Newport, come up with great information and he'll say something on the show or he said something in his book and I read it or hear it. And I know what he's saying, but I also understood how the, the, the audience Is going to have a problem with that, or is not going to be able to fully engage or digest that? And that's where I dug in. It was just true to my nature, just like you, Tom Ziegler, are out there doing your thing. And I'm not. It didn't draw my attention. And you're enamored with disruption and how this is changing things, and the old way is not going to. All the stuff you just said is not going to work. I I I find myself telling my kids, man, give that gravity, that thing that interests you, that doesn't interest everybody else. Give that gravity. I've got a kid right now really involved or interested in science and chemistry and math. And I said, buddy, we know that we know that there is no genetic predisposition for this for you because that I do not have that language at all in me, uh, period. I said, you need to give that gravity. Don't think that that's just out of nowhere. Give it gravity. So what you said, Tom, to being, you know, authentically ourselves, which should be a part of this thing we want to be known for well here let me let me throw a couple at you Faye Bryant she says overcoming childhood trauma and abuse to build a legacy worth passing on I like that to take that hurt to take that wound and make it a strength in essence and that has uh, a lot to do with her story goodness on the same frequency here Soma Hathaway I know, I know, Soma, she said, processing pain in a way that works to your gain and using art to awaken, uplift and inspire the soul. I'm looking back over here. I can't reach her book. I'll grab it here in a second. Uh, but she has a book on using using her story back to what you said, Tom, she's using her story to say, how can I take this? and help other people with that and hers is kind of neat too because art is a big part of her offering as well so she's combining her message and her grief and her art and her art is really she does a lot of art that's combined with again pain and grief and it meant it really speaks like a spotlight uh, to certain people and that reminds me of jessica moyer as well who's a ziggler legacy certified coach And she as well is in the same area as Faye and Soma of grief, of taking these hardships. Jessica had a child die, taking these hardships and saying, how can I then, I mean, it is a part of her, an intimate part of of her life now, and take that to help people and create a legacy, a personal brand being, again, as you said, Tom, so much of just your personal story. Now.
1: Yeah. And when we, when we step into that, then whatever we've been through, whatever challenges, whatever tragedy, uh, when we step into that,
0: that brings purpose into it. Yep. Yeah. And, and on those, and I, and I'm looking at having both of these ladies on the show, I'm going to hold this book up. So those watching the, uh, the video there's you talk about redemption, uh, you know, Soma Hathaway has her book, Finding Diamonds in Dungeons, A Journey Through Heartache and Loss to a Compelling View of Pain's Purpose. She wrote this book to help people with what she experienced. Same thing with Jessica Moyer. You know Jessica's book well, Triumph Through the, th- through the, th- through the Tears, Finding Hope and Purpose Through Loss. Both of these ladies have taken these significant trials, tragedies, you would say, And they are, they have overcome to a great degree. I mean, they're always on the journey. I think they'd say they've never fully overcome and they never will, but they're taking part of their redemption of that is helping other people through that. And they have obviously established their brands around their personal stories. Back to what you said, Tom. Um, Sue Swavely, early childhood development. Uh, in preschool, supporting our youngest learners in their area of interest. It'd be interesting to hear the stories behind them, Tom. I didn't ask that, uh, which is probably this is probably at the beginning of where you start with executive coaching, isn't it? Just to start yeah. and find what you know. What, has, what do you want to do? Oh, I want to make a million bucks, or I want to you know quadruple my company's income, or I want to whatever. And how quick do you get to? What's your story?
1: Yeah, and I I, I kind of dig around a little bit. Um, okay and we come in it from different angles uh, because a lot of times, especially early on the story that people feel comfortable telling you isn't, you know, isn't, isn't the story, right? It's not the whole story. And and that takes some time, but I, I look at each area of life and just, just go around each area and say, Hey, you know, <laughs> tell me some wins there. Tell me some things you want to do better. And then tell me, tell me why it is where you are where you are yeah right and so as as we break it down and we get into each of those areas it, it it paints a picture uh you know it's it's like that paint by numbers you know you you start filling the colors in in these different areas and it and it all starts to make sense on where somebody is yeah uh, and everybody's different yeah and it's uh it's a spiral staircase meaning that you know, we're constantly going through life, going up a staircase. And if the spiral, uh, even though it's the same date as it was a year ago today, we're in a different place. Right. So we might be on the same spot as we were a year ago today, but a year's gone by. There's a lot in our life that's changed. The way you know, new, new, new things have happened, we process things, new new things have, have uh, revealed old things. Yeah. And and so when when you start to really kind of get that uh, once again the depth and the tapestry, you know we've we've kind of diverged off of the off of the brand and what do you want to be known for? Uh, but I, I I just gosh we we people tend to discount their experiences and how relevant they are. Yeah. And I I like to take the opposite approach of. Hey, whether what, what happened to you was really good or was really bad, uh, you're still here, and you've you, you know whether it's a callus or a scar or a platform or whatever that created, God, you've learned a lot. What did you learn? Yeah. You know what? What? How? How do you see the world differently? How can you be? How can you help someone else because of that experience? Yeah. And it's a that kind of when we're authentic. Then that gives us depth and breadth to to what it is we want to be known for. Yeah. When we constantly discount it or think that that's not unique or can't add value to something, then we're just showing up half. Yeah, right. We it's hard to pull from that and make a difference. Yep.
0: Yeah. Hey. Well, that's a good way to anchor it. I, I did have. Yeah. Just again on that thought, as we often come to in these discussions, where it broadens out the concept that we're talking about of you know what do you want to be the resource I'm sitting here thinking about myself what do I want to be the resource for not just what I'm good at i'm really good at mountain biking I'm not a resource for you. I'm not a coach. I'm not a trainer. I don't mountain bike with other people. It's something just for me. I'm good at it. It's not what I want to offer or be a resource or what do I want to be. What do I want to be known as a resource for? Kevin is the guy you go to for X. So as everybody thinks about that, who do you want to be? It doesn't mean it's again, not to confine you to that, but if out in the marketplace, and I, I would even say even those, I know people in the church, Tom, and you do too uh, and lots of organizations, but to use a church as an example, who so want to give, they so want to serve. And yet you don't really know what, so what are they the resource for? They're just available. It doesn't help a whole lot. And yet, you know, the guy who's a resource for men, if you need car help, go to him. If you need financial help, go to them. And it's such a service to other people when they know what you have to offer, when they know what you're a resource for. Man, as always, shows convicting to me. I probably have some shoring up to do on my website and my brand, Tom. All right, brother. Thanks. Thanks for everybody who uh, gave such great responses to make the show so rich. I hope this has you thinking of what you are or want to be known for. You might reach out to others and ask them their thoughts if you're unsure. Though, even if you do think you know, it's still good to confirm. What other people experience you as being known for, if anything? Coming up in episode 933, I bring you the habits of former Chipotle CEO, co-CEO, Monty Moran. And I was interested in what he shared regarding his habits for mental health. He said he often wakes feeling the weight of the world on his shoulders and like a failure. Which is interesting for a guy who seems so successful, right? mean would you feel like a failure if you were worth, you know, three or four hundred million dollars? But Monty shares how he strives to practice compassion on himself. And he says he tries to make friends with those feelings. So when he wakes with foreboding, he tries to, and this is his quote, hold my troubles in a kind and accepting way. I think you will enjoy hearing these habits and more that Monty shares. Till then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.